This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. We have with us Mr. A.N. Wilson, a prolific columnist and author of fiction and non-fiction. In context of your books on Queen Victoria and Hitler, uh, how would you context post-truth? Because what you've done actually in both your, those books is looked at what were so-called, in quotes, established facts, re-looked at them and then interpreted them in the way what you would say is your post-truth analysis. Well, I would contest that. I don't think that I've been post-truth. In the case of Queen Victoria, I have discovered a very great deal which nobody knew about before from her letters, which I've discovered in various different houses in England and also in Germany and also in the British Library in London. And a completely new picture of Queen Victoria has emerged, a passionate, capricious, politically aware person who is completely different from the established figure of Queen Victoria in the earlier biographies. So I would believe that I haven't in, interpreted her or placed my own interpretation. I've simply discovered as a matter of archival fact what she was like. But you mentioned Hitler, and I think he, in a way, is one of the key figures in the whole post-truth debate. Up to the 19th century, I think political discourse at least attempted to be rational. One thinks of the Constitution of the United States, which, uh, whatever you think of the United States, that Constitution has survived ever since it was drawn up by the founding fathers of the United States in the late 18th century, and it survives to this day as a workable system of government. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is that it was founded upon reason. In the 19th century, when all sorts of demons were unleashed in Europe of irrationality, anti-reason, and war became so much more destructive through the invention of explosions and so on, explosive devices. Something new was born in the world. And I think what happened after the First World War, when so many millions of people had died and when money no longer meant anything, you see, I mean, the 19th century was based on the idea that money was solid. The years before Hitler came to power, suddenly people looked in their bank balance. They thought they'd been very rich, which they had been last week, and the money was worth nothing. And he led them into a kind of topsy-turvy world in which what he said was what beguiled them, quite regardless of whether it was true or not. He said that it would be possible through completely peaceful means to establish full employment in Germany. He did establish very nearly full employment, but it wasn't through peaceful means. It was by creating factories, which he called car factories, but were in fact armaments factories. He said that the reason for Germany having lost the First World War was a conspiracy of the Jews, which of course there's no evidence for whatsoever. In other words, Hitler was almost like a novelist or a um, surrealist painter imposing upon the world a completely fictitious version of events. Partly this happened, I think, because of the success of the left also. It's not only these extreme right-wing groups who do this. In Soviet Russia, which was contemporaneous, of course, with Hitler, you witness, because the revolution succeeded on one level throughout the old regime, but failed on another. It didn't deliver prosperity and happiness for everybody. It had to feed itself with more and more lies. I had an old friend called Malcolm Mugridge, who was a famous journalist, mm. who used to come to um, India a lot, and indeed worked here and was a newspaper editor in, in India. And he attended some of the show trials in Soviet Russia. And he said to a journalist there, who was listening to these denunciations of Stalin's former friends, now enemies, how did they get all the evidence uh, in order to send these people to their deaths? And the journalist replied with a sad smile, in these trials, everything is true except for the facts.
So that is post-truth. And that is to me the definition of post-truth, that everything is true except the facts. Now, during the 1930s, 80, 90 years ago, these appalling rogue states, Stalin's Soviet Union and Hitler's Third Reich, were seen by the rational world, by the United States, by India, by most of the other countries in Europe, as appalling aberrations from the Enlightenment idea that it might be possible to discern a rational way for men and women to govern themselves and to achieve justice. Once you enter the world of fantasy, which the Soviets certainly did, you know, they, they, they had regular broadcasts telling people who were starving that they had never had so much food in their lives. They told them that uh, their life was one of freedom and joy when they knew that their relations had been carted off and locked up in camps. And likewise, the Germans knew, they must have known, the intelligent Germans, that the things Hitler was saying were a pack of lies. But what's frightening about the German and Hitler example is that little by little by little, the lies were so comprehensive. Dr. Goebbels, the propaganda minister for Hitler, used to say that if you tell a big enough lie, everybody will believe it. And um, by the end, there were an awful lot of supposedly rational Germans who did believe that there was a Jewish conspiracy to take over the world, who did believe that uh, simply by grabbing a bit of the land which had been taken away from them uh, at the end of the First World War, uh, this would only be a step towards universal peace rather than starting a war, and so forth. What terrifies me now about the condition of the world is that it strikes me that there are, there's no figure like Hitler, there's no figure like Stalin, but that we've entered a world in this so-called post-truth universe. We've entered a world where reason and the distinction between truth and falsehood doesn't really matter anymore. And it's quite possible, for example, I don't just want to harp on about Donald Trump, but it's possible for him to get up and say that he's going to build a wall uh, to keep out the Mexicans, or that he's going to enact a law which says that no Muslim may enter the United States. I mean, there are millions upon millions of Muslims in the United States, as he knew perfectly well. Many of them bring enormous wealth and prosperity to businessmen in, uh, and, and women in New York and so forth, um, some of whom I know. He knew it was false with a bit of himself, but I think presumably when he stands on the rostrum uh, and makes these pronouncements, it is comparable to what was happening in the 1930s, uh, where what is being fed through the microphones to the masses, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. And the criterion of truth has ceased to exist. Everything is true except for the facts. And we're in that world now. Do you think that now that this disease has been labelled, there could be possibly a self-consciousness in believing things which are factually not true? That would be our only hope, I would imagine. It is our only hope. But... Uh, I think what's very worrying about, I don't know if this is the case in India, because I don't know about Indian politics, uh, but it's certainly the case in Europe. Fewer and fewer clever, rational, well-educated people are entering the world of politics. There's so much attention placed on your private life uh, if you enter political life. Your marriage, your family life uh, is all up for public gaze. Uh, you don't make nearly as much money as you might. Um, because we don't have a system of bribery and corruption as we do in Italy, for example. So that, I mean, the wages, the, the salaries of politicians are low. There's not very much temptation to enter political life unless you're a kind of egomaniac. Whereas in the past, there were a lot of people who did enter public life, either politics direct or other forms of public life, because they had a sense of duty. And they tended to be cleverer people. And I'm afraid, uh, with some exceptions, I would think Angela Merkel is an exception in Germany, with some exceptions, more and more very stupid people are becoming senior politicians. And um, it's therefore, I think, incumbent upon us, journalists and 
observers of the scene to confront not merely the politicians themselves and the people who are running the world, but to confront the public with the fact that they are being fed lies. I, I, I am an optimist. I do believe that in the end reason will prevail. But right now we've seen a successful uh, Donald Trump uh, winning an election based on post-truth. In India, Narendra Modi, a large part of his success in winning the election was also based on um, similar kind of uh, untruths. Uh, so what we are seeing today in the world is more success of post-truth than, uh, than not. But yet you say that there is some optimism, you are an optimist, that there is hope that it will not always be like this? Well, at least in the Indian example you give and the American example, there is still in place a democratic process so that it is at least conceivable that these people will be voted out of office by better, more rational, more intelligent people. Uh, what is very worrying in the world at the moment, I think, is how many countries there are which don't have anything even resembling a democracy and the growth of uh, Islamic fanaticism in not only in the Middle East, but of course in every corner of the globe now, is a, another example of post-truth, because these people, um, they are only residually connected with the mainstream of Islamic thought or tradition, uh, and they are really uh, political, violent anarchists. And so that I think the combination of having them at work, dropping bombs all over the place, and then these elected fantasists, um, I think that it's, um, it, it is truly disturbing to think that, that these people are running the world in effect. And we are having, we people who try to be rational, we are, we are actually, uh, dancing to their tune. We have to. But uh, why I'm optimistic is that I do believe in the end um, it will be possible for reason to prevail. I, I think, you know, there's, an, there's no Latin tag that, that truth will prevail, however many people um, fight against it. Magna est veritas et prevalebit. The truth is great and will prevail, and I do believe that. Thank you very much, Mr. Wilson. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 